all of us at some point or another in our life have lost the rhythm of our relationship mm -hmm. with God. And what are some of the telltale signs that we're heading off in a dangerous direction? We're just going to share from our own experience because, as you said, I think all of us have been there. Yes. And we found ourselves um, substituting real Christianity for churchianity. I mean, that's a word that's thrown around, but we were very busy for the Lord. We were doing all kinds of things yes. for the Lord, but what we didn't realize is that the heart of the matter the heart of our relationship with Christ was falling away. So we, we had supplemented our personal relationship with God for all kinds of external activities, which in and of themselves are, are good and right, but without the heart of the matter, it just it lost its, its meaning and its direction. Now, so what you're telling me, Paul, let me make sure that I understand, because sometimes people will even ask of me, you know, Carolyn, if I say that, I'm struggling with keeping that intimacy in my relationship. And they'll say, you're in full-time ministry. What do you mean? <laughs> but if our priorities become wrong, mm -hmm. then we can actually let ministry take a top priority over our relationship with God. Is that what you're saying happened with you or has yes, happened? Yes, that, that's exactly what we're saying. You know, if you work as an engineer, perhaps, or in construction, you, you know in a way, even though that is still working for the Lord, because we can work for the Lord in many yes. ways, but it can feel like that's not the Lord's work, so I need to have my own personal relationship with Christ. But somehow when you get into ministry and you're busy doing the Lord's work, you can think that that is your experience with the Lord, but that's working for the Lord, which can be sometimes different from working with the Lord. That was our experience. That's, that's where we found ourselves. Amen. So in, for the time-starved Christian out there, and there are many of them, mm -hmm. how do we, practically speaking, put things into motion to get back into that intimacy with Christ? Well, first of all, it's recognizing you need it. Often we don't recognize that we need it. We rush off into the day and don't realize that we mm -hmm. never tuned in with God in the first place. And so right in those first morning hours, we devote the first part of our day to the Lord every day. And we have found that by doing that, we have that connection with him to go through the day. Amen. Just like in, in olden times, you know, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, our Lord himself spent those early morning hours and the manna, as the manna fell there back in the, you know, in, in the times of the Old Testament, they plucked it first thing in the morning. If they went to it during the day, it was gone. Mm -hmm. They had to take it first thing in the morning. But now what about people out there who are not morning people? That's a great question, Shelley. I can really relate because for me, getting up in the morning is the hardest thing in the world. And my wife mentioned there a little about the manna in the Old Testament. You know, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that is a, uh, the food that God sent for God's people mm -hmm. whilst they were wandering in the wilderness. But where would it be if I wasn't a morning person, but I was an Israelite all those years ago? Right. Would I starve and just say, well, sorry, I'm not up until noon, so I go hungry? No, it would soon become a priority, and I would soon be outside my tent picking the manna off the ground. Amen. So I, I just want to share what has been... It's, it's very simple, but for me it was profound. It took me 30 years to figure out that the only way to get up early, wait for it, is to go to bed early. 
I mean, that is so simple. But for ages, I'd go to bed at 10, 11, 12, and then wonder why I couldn't get up. And one morning, I was praying about it. I said, Lord, why do I struggle? I was just, it's not right that, you know, I have to get up. I can't get up. My wife, she's just, she's up with the birds, singing as well. But then I, the Lord was speaking to me just, you know, in my prayer time. I can change you, Paul. You don't have to stay the way you are. Of course, we know that. God's trying to take an impatient person and make them patient. He's trying to take a person who isn't studious and make them studious. And just in that same way, in answer to prayer, God can take somebody who is not a morning person and make them a morning person. And whilst it's still a battle, I have to do battle every day, by God's grace, it's a reality in my life today. And it wasn't for a long time. So I hope that's an encouragement to some of our viewers. You know, for me personally, um, for six years prior to coming to 3ABN, I was up early every morning and had, because I was running a ministry out of my home, I had a lot of time to pray and to study. And here, the more responsibilities that were added, it seems like I was beginning to crowd some of that time out. So finally, I've just prayed, particularly recently, I've prayed and said, Lord, you have my permission to wake me up early every morning. Amen. And I've always been one who's dependent upon an alarm clock, but he's mm -hmm. been getting me up at 4.30 every morning to spend that time with him before I go to work. Amen. So, now, there are people, though, who work odd hours, Carolyn. What about these poor people? Well, often these poor people say they are an ex exempt to this need, but I've been there. I used to work as a nurse and as a midwife, and so I've done those odd hours, those night shift hours, and I've come to understand in my own personal experience that your day begins when you get up. So if you work nights and you're getting up at five o'clock in the afternoon, that's when your day begins, and you have your first hours of time with him at that time and then you go on throughout your day which happens to be everybody else's night but you still need that for your first thing for your day and that was what really helped me when I realized okay it isn't that I have to do this at eight in the morning when I need to be going to bed now having worked till night it's when my day starts which may be five thirty six o'clock whenever it is. Absolutely. And what happens when you don't? Are there still occasion, occasional times when you don't get up why is this, for, the, for one who's never done this, what difference does it make in your life, Paul, when you get up early in the morning and spend this time with God, opposed to, say, you wake up, hit the floor running, and you're out the door? <laughs> I like to relate it, the spiritual world to the physical world. You know, if we didn't eat for days at a time, sooner or later, our stomach would start sending us a message, mm -hmm. I need food. And we would start to feel some weakness. We would feel that, wow, well, you know, I'm going light in the head or, or whatever the situation may be. In the spiritual world, once we are sensitive, because so many of us have done without our morning time, our quiet time, our personal devotion time in the morning, wh whatever you call it. And we're so used to going without it that we don't really feel the need for it. But if we pray and ask God to put that in our hearts, then once we start having that morning time, then I, I can speak personally. If I go out into the day, you know, we're involved in a ministry and we have you know, important calls to make and letters to write every day, important in the Lord's sight. But I can say that I would almost feel naked if I went off into the day without that time with the Lord. Because the difference it makes is, just to speak very practically, 
that time in the morning is, for me, it's not just a reading time, it's not just putting in time. It's time to communicate with God Amen. about the actual day ahead. Okay, Lord, what, what's coming our way today? And ask him for his grace, ask him for wisdom to deal with situations that I know of and maybe some of those that I don't know of. And then as you, as you go into the day, after I spent some time in God's Word and received some counsel from Him, taken that to heart, then to go into the day knowing that you have a companion with you, you have a partner with you, and we're going to go through this day together. But to go off into the day without Him, it's like, what am I going to do? Who, who am I going to talk to? Where, where's the strength going to come from? And whilst that may be foreign to some of our viewers, once you've experienced it, you will realize that it's not safe to be out there in the Lord without Amen. the Lord. Amen. So you're not referring to just pastors and ministry leaders who need mm -hmm. to be doing this. No. In fact, children need to have their time with the Lord. Amen. And we have young children, and from, from a very young age, we started them having their own little personal devotions. And the real reason for that is that the whole purpose of this time is to connect us to heaven on a daily basis so that when our Lord returns, we're ready to, to meet him and to go with him to that eternal home. And we want our children there too. And so they need to come to understand Jesus for themselves at the, whatever age they are, whatever ability they have to know Jesus. And so we have committed to our children in our family that we will give them the opportunity of learning how to have devotions at a very young age. And that's the good thing there is that they're developing a habit. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to put in there the manna, that illustration of the food that yes. God sent for his people back in the Old Testament. You know, who ate the manna? Was it just the pastors? Was it just Moses and Aaron yes. who ate? No, they all had to eat. And that, that symbolism goes even further because it was not just mom and dad that were eating, the children were eating. And even the babies in arms were eating the manna as it came from mother. Amen. And so that illustration goes right down mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the babies that might be in the home. Just a short time with the Lord in the morning develops a great habit and will save them a bunch of trouble that I've had to go through later on in life. <laughs> Don't we wish we'd learn these things early oh, as you're enough. teaching your children? So from a practical point of view, let's explain to our audience what we're discussing here. Give an example of how long you spend, what you do. Are your children having personal devotions by themselves, or at what age do they, are they able to do that? Explain what you all are doing. Well, it's probably two questions in one there. And firstly, what I do, I spend about an hour and a half in my personal devotions in the morning. I'm an early bird, as he said, which is a blessing. Yes. And I firstly will go through my prayer time with the Lord. And, you know, I'm a little dull at first thing in the morning. And so I have a prayer list and that's updated on a regular basis. You know, prayer requests being put on and answers being taken off. So I firstly will spend time in prayer. And then I like to spend time after that to spend a portion of my time contemplating, praying about, reading about the life of Christ. And so I'll read through some portion of the Gospels, maybe that beautiful book, Desire of Ages, on his life and spend some time not just reading about what he did, but trying to see how he dealt with people. Look at the examples of how he was patient so that I can be that way to my children. I can be that way to my husband and practicalizing it for my day. And then I move on from there as a mother. I always want to spend some time in prayer and study about how to be a better mother. 
And so I'm looking again at examples in the Bible, looking at that beautiful book. My favorite book on child rearing is Child Guidance. It's my all-time favorite, and I'm there almost every day gleaning something that's going to take me through the day because what I read yesterday may not keep me for today. And Child Guidance was written by? Ellen White. Okay. And it's one of my it's one of my all time favorites, and so that's pretty much what I do. And then something I do, which my husband does not do, and he'll share what he does, is I like to take those little index cards yes. and a verse or maybe a passage, a paragraph, something that I've read that really means something for me today. I'll write that out and I'll pin it on my notice board, on the refrigerator, wherever I happen to be, or maybe I'll have a whole section like I've done recently, just on love in the home. And anything I find that relates to love in the home, I'll write it out on there and put it into there. Then I can pull it out over the next few weeks and just keep bringing it back and making it practical to my day. Amen. So that's what I do personally. And that works great for her, <laughs> but it does not work for me. I don't know why, just I'm not that kind of person. For me, I have a little PDA one of those personal digital assistants, you know, and I do everything on there. I have the scriptures on there. I have a lot of other inspired books on there. And w one of my favorite things to do in my quiet time is to take a verse, just one verse, and then rewrite it. Not that I'm trying to add to the Bible, but mm. I'll, I'll take, um, for instance, just recently I was going through Psalm 127, I think it is, verse 1, except the Lord build the house, Amen. they labor in vain that build. Now, we're in the process just at the moment of building a home. So how am I going to take that verse and make it really practical? So I started writing it out, looking up all of the words in there that I could find in the concordance, going through the, the Greek and the, well, obviously that's Hebrew back in the Old Testament, and going through and then I would put it in the first person. So accept the Lord build your house, Paul. You labor in vain. And I would change the word vain for a word that perhaps means more in today's uh, vocabulary. And then make that very personal. Ponder that verse and say, Lord, help this verse to be a reality today, the very day ahead of me. And when you've spent maybe an hour on one verse, you have no trouble remembering it. You know, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. It just comes straight to your mind because you've yeah. contemplated it. And it goes deeper than just the words. So, so often in, in many experiences, I think, we try to read, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this necessarily, but we try to read three chapters in one morning and just do a, a surface reading. That's good if you're trying to get the big picture of a story. But for me personally, I found just take one verse, contemplate it, make it your own, and then take it into the day ahead. And I do something that's a little bit of a combination of both of these. Mm -hmm. I journal my prayers, Amen. and during the t my prayer time, I make the Bible part of my prayer time, and I'll do what you said. I'll read and let God speak to me, and then I'll write it out and pray it back to the Lord. So mm -hmm. there's many ways to do this. But now how about for the children? Mm -hmm. What do you do to, because I'm sure that there are people out there who are going to be saying, my children are not having a devotional life, right. and I would like to help them get started. How do you do that for your children? Well, I'd like to take it right back to babyhood, and that's where we started. And you may say, babyhood. <laughs> but, you know, as our children were just babies, we would just put on a scripture song tape or CD in their rooms and just allow that to be playing so that it was filtering into their minds, even though they didn't know it. 
And then as they got around about two and they'd be waking up, you know, maybe 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, just naturally, I'd put a little picture book in my daughter's lap, just a Bible picture book. And so she'd have the scripture songs playing and a Bible picture book. Then when she got to maybe three or four, we would read to her. We'd have our own devotion times and we were still having morning worship, but we were creating a habit. We knew she wouldn't remember what we had done, but we knew we were creating a habit that it would be so natural to her when she was older that she'd rather miss a meal than miss her time with the Lord. And so we did it with both of them. As they got into about three or four years of age, we would read Bible stories to them. And then when they got to the age of about six, when they started to begin to read, then we bought them their own Bibles so they could begin to read just little verses here and little verses there. And now at nine years old, my daughter will, particularly Hannah, she is, she's reading through herself. She's got a book called Councils on Diets and Food. She was so interested to know about why we eat the way we do mm. and how we live the way we do. And she's now coming to us saying, Mommy, did you know that we do da 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 And she explains this whole thing about why we do what we do. And it's beautiful to see she's enthusiastic. And something else that she likes to do is she'll, and I'll help her obviously, go through the Bible concordance. And she struggles with not arguing with her brother. And so she wanted to learn about her words and how she should order her words after the Lord. And so she would go through her concordance and look up those scriptures on words, lips, speech, mouth, tongue, all of those relevant words, and then write out those verses relevant to her that really meant something to her. And you may say, well, that's the sort of thing you would do in your 20s, but a younger child can if they have guidance from the parents, and that is the key. We don't just put them over there, and they do their quiet time and we do ours. We're involved. We're asking them, so what, what happened today and what you read, and how is that going to help you today not to argue with your brother or whatever the situation is? Let, let me share what we do with Caleb, because boys and girls are very different. <laughs> you know, they are just poles apart, at least our two are. And for Caleb, if you sit him down with a book, he'll have five minutes, and then he's done. I mean, he hasn't really digested anything. He hasn't really learned anything. So, And Caleb, let's see, Hannah is nine and a half, and Caleb is seven and a half. That's correct, okay. yeah. So... What we've done with Caleb that seems to have been a caught his attention is we'll give him um, a Bible story to listen to, you know, just, just something out of the Gospels on his headphones. He's, Undramatized. Yeah, and he will listen to it and we ask him to draw a picture, just stick men or, you know, the best of his ability anyway, draw a picture of what he's been listening to. And it might just be a short while and he spends most of his time drawing out, well, we have his attention. And then afterwards, when we come, to, come together as a family, I say, so, Caleb, tell me about this picture. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the detail that they pick up. It's just for him, that's just what works for him. His sister, being a little bit older, being a bit more of a bookworm, she's happy to read. But I know there's going to be some viewers out there that, um, you mean my little children sit still? Start with five minutes. Soon it'll be 15, mm -hmm. 20, and it doesn't really need to be much more than that at their tender age. But now I'm understanding that you actually are encouraging them to have a personal devotional time. This is not That's a right. group effort. Now, do you come together as a group afterwards? We do. We, we have family worship, which is, you know, short and spirited. You know, it's not a long affair. Um, oftentimes what we will do, and it w sometimes it will take up our whole morning worship, just 15, 20 minutes, we will just share what Daddy learned in his quiet time, and my wife will share what she learned, and we'll ask the children what they learned. And we learned that from some friends of ours in California when we were staying in their home. And what a blessing it is, mm -hmm. because, for instance, my son, if, if he's just coasted 
through, <laughs> drifted through his quiet time. He didn't really gain anything. We know because in worship time, we'll say, what did you learn? Um, well, and you and can see- And he'll tell us what he did yeah. at that point. And I say to him, Caleb, not what did you do, what did you learn? And actually it'll come down to it, he didn't learn anything. Well, that's okay, you know, there's, there's tomorrow. But if, he, if this goes on morning after morning, we can say, okay, Caleb, we, we need to talk here, we need to readjust the course because it's, it's not happening. Of course, it normally shows up in their, their way of carrying on during the day if they're not connecting with the Lord personally. Paul, why don't you just look to our viewers and explain to them in a concise way what the, why there is such a great need to have this personal morning devotion time? You know, we have to make it a priority. We have so many things in life that push themselves to the front, but we have to allow God to come to the front of our lives. And that for me means the front of our day, the beginning of our day. And to make it really work at the beginning of the day, as we shared uh, with Shelley, it's got to be, it's got to start with a commitment to Christ to go to bed at a reasonable hour. If we're willing to go to bed at a reasonable hour, ask him to wake us, then we have every confidence he'll wake us in the morning and then we can just, my favorite thing to do is to sit in my lazy boy chair and after I've had my prayers on my knees, I'll sit in the chair and I'll pull that handle and I'll just sit back and I'll just open up God's word and say, Lord, be my teacher today. You can't beat it. You know, the house is quiet. I don't know if the viewers there, you might have children, at least in our house, and it's getting a little better now, but when the children are up, the day has started. So whilst it's quiet, a time for daddy to connect with the Lord, that I can lead my family through the day. Well, I think that's beautiful. And I just want to thank you, Carolyn and Paul, both of you for being here with us today. And I'm sure you're familiar with Kenneth Cox, the evangelist. Mm -hmm. You know, he made the comment that when he found he was avoiding or, or not getting in his personal time in the morning in the Word, he made a commitment to the Lord that he would not eat physically unless he had eaten spiritually. And he said, ever since he made that commitment, he said, I always find time for the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So I want to challenge you to do the same. And until the next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today.